For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to Talking Transfers from the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by 90 Min's transfer correspondent, Graham Bailey, 90 Min's top cat, Toby Cudworth, and 90 Min editor, Tom Gott, Chelsea fan. What a week. <laughs> we'll be yeah, talking all about Chelsea. It's been something. <laughs> it really has. And it was Tom's birthday as well. What a nice early birthday present for you as Chelsea plunge into yet more chaos, Tom. Yeah, I mean, it was the best present I could have asked for. Really, getting getting the end of this era, I was I was ready for it a good few months ago, but we're finally there now. Finally, our man Todd has changed his mind. <laughs> uh, we'll be talking about that today. Graham Potter sacked by Chelsea. Graham Potter turning down Leicester City. Uh, we'll talk a bunch of other things as well. Josco Guardiol on the radar of some of Europe's biggest clubs. We'll talk Aymeric Laporte. We'll talk a Brazilian young prospect who could be moving to Europe. We'll talk William Saliba, Luke Shaw contracts, uh, Kai Havertz and Kolo Mwani from Frankfurt, who's been linked with some big clubs, but might end up staying. We'll talk about all of that today on Talking Transfers, your usual weekly dose of transfer conversation. Subscribe to our show and all your major platforms. Follow us on Twitter as well, underscore Scott Saunders, Toby underscore Cudworth, at Graham Bailey and at TomGot2. For all of the latest, go to nightmin.com forward slash talking Talking dash dash transfers. transfers. (laughs) I could have got there myself, Toby. (laughs) And uh, nightmin underscore football on all your other social platforms, such as Instagram, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, let's start with Chelsea. Graham, I'll come to you first. What is, why now? Because it's been bad at Chelsea for a few months. Uh, they spent 600 million. They're 11th in the league. Uh, the master plan isn't looking so masterful currently. Well, you know, I think it, with Todd, we, we've, we've seen on previous shows and we've reported on, on 90 men. It was only Todd Burley really keeping Graham Potter in position. It's been that way for a few months. It looked it was getting to a point where he'd see it through to the summer. But I just think, you know, the rest of the hierarchy at Chelsea had moved on from Potter a few months ago from what we've been told. Same time as Tom, I think. The, all the normal people at Chelsea. <laughs> and, and this is even the people like Paul Stanley who came from Brighton with him. I think they soon realised that the job was just too big for him. It wasn't, you know, he, he just wasn't the right man for Chelsea. And obviously that that performance at the weekend against Villa, final nail in the coffin, as we reported, Todd Burley met with Graham Potter on Sunday and following that meeting, decided to move on. And um, from what I'm hearing, I think Graham Potter knew it was coming as well. So, um, and I don't have a major issue with this guy. I think, you know, Todd Bailey, you know, it, it, he, he made a major error appointing Graham Potter, but he's accepted that and moved on from that. I think he's done completely the right thing. He's he's accepted that he got it wrong. There's no point. It was better than him doing what, say, going further in the Champions League and possibly sticking with him up until September time and, and limping along. He's changed it now. The new manager is the summer. I, I just think it's a completely right thing they've done. 
Toby, you're smirking. Tom, Tom, I spoke to you already. Toby. I'm just grinning that we're trying to look at this in a positive way for old Todd. He sacked Thomas Tuchel, who won the Champions League. He paid £25 million or whatever to go and get Graham Potter from Brighton. Graham Potter, whose best ever finish was ninth with Brighton, a team who famously didn't score goals. And now they've got to pay God knows what to get rid of him. They've got Bruno Sorter in interim charge, ready to take on Real Madrid in the Champions League quarterfinals. I mean, give me strength. And they blew all of that money in January, including Mudrik, who honestly, I don't know what you think, Tom. He looks absolutely terrible. He's miles off it, miles off it. It's nicer than what I'd say about him. (laughs) (laughs) This is a professional show, guys. Let's keep it <laughs> professional. Um, I'm so Tom. How much is this is Graham Potter's fault? Because obviously, yeah, he should be doing better with the amount of players that he had. Uh, there's suggestions today. Everything's come out afterwards. Chelsea players sitting on the floor at the training ground in team meetings because there's not enough seats because they've got so many players. Um, all of this kind of thing. Surely, if, if they've now real, if, if Todd Bowley's this genius, I'm just going to throw this out there. If Todd Bowley's this genius and has got all the geniuses from around world football to bring this magical Chelsea project together, surely he probably should have known that Graham Potter wasn't up to the task before he gave him the job. You'd assume so, wouldn't you? But I mean, you can see the appeal of Potter. If you go back 12 months and he's this young, up and coming manager who's he plays some nice football with Brighton. It's one of those, what if he comes to a bigger club, he gets big money and suddenly turns into the best manager in the world. It did seem somewhat plausible 12 months ago. The issue is now it isn't at all. How much of it's his fault? It's tricky. Obviously, I'm not one of those people that blames the manager for everything all the time. I think at the end of the day, these players are professional athletes who... They shouldn't just be forgetting how to play football because they're, be, they're not being told what to do. Like they've been doing this their whole careers. They should be better. But it's just not... Something's not clicked. And at the end of the day, it's Potter's job to make it click. And if he hasn't, then he's got to go. Do you look at that team sheet, Tom? Sorry to interject, Scott. I spoke to you on Saturday when I saw Reese James playing at right centre-back and Ruben Loftus-Cheek at right wing-back. And all of those attacks that Chelsea were formulating would spread the play wide. Loftus-Cheek's natural instinct would be to cut back and play the ball deep to root to Reese James or insides to Enzo Fernandez. And it was just pedestrian stuff. And surely that's on the manager and his setup. Reese James and Mark Kukurea in a central back three when you had Badashiel, who came in in January, sitting on the bench. I That, for me, just kind of says that I don't know, did Potter know he was on his last legs? He was in full experimentation mode, even until his final game in charge. And that just says to me that he was never really um, never really had his head in the game. Absolutely, yeah. That's that's one of those that I've, I feel like you have to look at Potter for. It's to have three centre-backs where one of them is a centre-back. Just, it doesn't work. And especially, Chelsea know that, like, it's, it's no secret that wing-backs is a Chelsea strength. Reese James is one of the best in the world in his position if you get him going. Ben Chilwell, very good on the other side. He's been one of Chelsea's best attacking players for weeks now. So to to sabotage yourself seems really strange. But 
again, it's it's what Potter did at Brighton. He made these crazy moves and everyone went, oh, it's genius. That's so fun. He could be brilliant. And he's, he's not done anything different, but now just on a bigger stage, it's got that attention that it hasn't worked. Yeah. Who could have seen that coming? Anyway, um, <laughs> Graham, let, let's uh, let's talk about it then. So you mentioned Todd Bowley met with uh, with Graham Potter the day after the the Villa defeat. What? So, do you, is there any indication about what's changed? Is it was this just one defeat too many? Because we've seen Chelsea play terribly for for months. They are mid table and have been mid table all season. So what? Like, this was the first game back from an international break. They, they could have had two weeks to sort this out. Mm. Well, I think I played a part in it as well, Scott. The fact that they looked so ill-prepared for the game. They didn't look like somebody had been working on that system for two weeks, did it? And, and I think that was part of it. You know, Burley obviously talking to his fellow members of the hierarchy at the club. But I say it was on him. You know, he, he appointed him. He listened to advice, obviously, from other people. And, yeah, it was just a final straw. It really was. Um, I don't think he was going to be in charge next season anyway. I think that was a given. Unless he won the Champions League, somehow limped himself to, to winning that trophy. And, no, I think they were preparing... Um, for his departure anyway I think they've just brought it forward a few weeks Tom am I right in saying Graham Potter's Champions League was quite good yeah some of the some of the best performances were in the Champions League and that's what made it so frustrating because like he bought himself some time by beating Dortmund who like they were some of his best games were the Dortmund ones and that's high level competition so surely he can do it against the best and then you come and you're you're dropping points against these struggling teams at like Villa at the weekend. Like, obviously, if you look at the stat sheet, Chelsea were on top. But if you watch the game, you'd see that they were never came anywhere close to winning that one. And to be able to mastermind a win over Dortmund and then not do the same against Aston Villa and teams of that sort of level, it just it became too much for for fans. And the the positivity disappeared a long time ago. Ah, oh, well. Uh, so another thing I'll come back to you Graham here has Julian Nagelsmann's availability potentially changed Chelsea's mind here I'm floating suggestions ideas there's obviously a lot of people in the frame to succeed Graham Potter Chelsea have insisted that they will take their time uh, read off some names all the ones you'd link with Tottenham usually uh, Luis Enrique Mauricio Pochettino uh Nagelsmann obviously has now become available. Is there a what? What are Chelsea thinking now, moving forward? I will take myself off mute, which always helps. I was just mentioning yeah, a piece that me and Tom did um, on yesterday, I think it was. So many. Um, a source described to us as the process is going to be exhaustive, thorough and professional. I know it made Toby laugh at the time. Um, and they are really, yeah, they're going to make sure, but not just making a swift appointment. Even if it ends up being Nagelsmann or Enrique, which I suspect it will be one of those two. I think those two are the favourites at the minute. They are going to be looking at their options. Um and they're putting, they're insisting that it's Paul Wynn, Stanley, um, Lauren Stewart who are going to be overlooking it. Obviously, Burley 
um, and Bedad Iqbali, the fellow corner, will have a final choice. We know that. But they're trusting it to the sporting directors have got in there to to cover the whole of Europe. Have a look there. Ruben Amarim, the excellent sporting coach, has been linked. They'll be looking at him. Uh, Glasner, Oliver Glasner, has been linked from Frankfurt as well. So I think you're going to probably see at least six to seven to eight names linked over the next two weeks. But as I said, I'd be surprised if it wasn't. One of the main three, should we say, the three who were all available, Nagelsmann, Enrique, Pochettino. I'd be very surprised if it wasn't one of them. For some reason, this job screams Luis Enrique to me. I'm, I'm not really sure why, but I just... I, I, I think, for me, Scott, I think um, I think they'll go... I, th- I think they'll find it very hard to resist going the Hollywood direction. So I think Nagelsmann, for the name, I think... Luis Enrique is a bigger name than Nagelsmann. Is he fashion? Who's the most fashionable? Or I, I, I Ooh, see Lewis Enrique is fashionable. Yeah, I, I see Enrique at Tottenham being that one who can build up the players and stuff. I just I think he's more like there. But uh, yeah, I think Enrique's name. He's he's sat there and done very little, but his stock has risen so much in the last few weeks, hasn't it? And wow, if he's going to come back into football, he's got his choice of clubs. Same with Nagel, Nagelsmann. But um, yeah, it'd be fascinating what happens next few weeks. But yeah, I think Enrique would be a wonderful fit for either. To be fair. I'll tell you why I'd be such a good fit. Luis Enrique has an aversion to playing strikers. And Chelsea don't have strikers. So, Tom, it fits like a glove, doesn't it? Perfect. Yeah, finally get someone who can make do with all of these random like, attacking midfielders. Just throw them all in there and make something work. So, Tom, Chelsea perspective, your perspective. What's the answer here? I think it's a tricky one, really. I, I, I wrote yesterday, um, I'll, Chelsea just need to pick the best manager. But this idea of a project manager, I don't think is one that exists. Every manager is a project manager, realistically, because unless you're finding someone who comes in and says, I need to win the title right now, every year, every single year, no excuses. Like, it's a naive approach to take because that doesn't happen, especially in the Premier League. So I think, for me, I think I'm team Luis Enrique. I think he's... He's shown it with, with Spain. On top of his, he's just good football. He manages characters and he plays young players. And I know that's a big thing as to why, I mean, Chelsea fans have been wanting that for years. Graham Potter was supposedly good at doing that. And then he hasn't done it at all because he's bought all these other players. But I think I want Luis Enrique. But to be honest, at this point, I just want someone competent who can actually lead a team. Toby, you've been smoking through this entire conversation. Yeah, just the entire <laughs> subject is funny, isn't it? I did a bit of um, research as to who Chelsea's longest serving manager is in the last 30 years. This is even pre-Abramovich investment. Um, it's Claudio Ranieri at three years and two months or something. Chelsea, they just employ managers for short-term success. So I guess it's how, this is how we still need to look at it. No, Toby, they are different. They're so different. But they're just not, are they? As Tom alludes to, there's no such thing as project management now. And Chelsea have always been ingrained in, we either win or we dismiss you. And which of the managers that are available right now are probably going to inch Chelsea closer towards success? I don't know. Is it Luis Enrique? I mean, sure, Nagelsmann won the Bundesliga, but you could argue that most managers would win the Bundesliga with that buying team. So... I don't really know who I would position as favourite. I just can't see why Pochettino would want to go there, for example, given that Ranieri is the longest serving manager. He's not going to go in for two, three years, is he? Poch actually is a manager who wants to be somewhere for a significant amount of time. 
I would liken Nagelsmann to wanting to be involved in that kind of model. And that's why I'm not necessarily sure if he actually fits either. Could be that Luis Enrique actually ticks the majority of the boxes in a in a weird roundabout way. Uh, Graham, so Chelsea's plan moving forward, <clears throat> maybe th- there is no answer for this at the moment. However, they are obviously going to want to get this next choice of a manager right. How long do you think we're looking at Bruno being an interim charge? Will it be one of these candidates currently linked with the job? Could we see it dragged out until the end of the season and a, a manager currently at a club, a Carlo Ancelotti, a Jose Mourinho, enters the frame later? Possibly. As I said, they're not putting a time frame on it just yet. Do we see... It wouldn't surprise me if we see someone agree to do it and then come in at the end of the season. If it's an Enrique Nagelsmann, a lot of these guys do want a few a bit of time off and wait till the summer. So it wouldn't surprise me if they announced something and they had someone in temporary charge, either Bruno or maybe bumped Tom... John Terry, the Avram Grant, yeah, that sort of thing. It wouldn't surprise me if you if you secure the appointment, but then wait until the summer. Um, I think maybe the Real Madrid tie will tell us a lot. If if they go out of the Champions League as we expect them to, that gives them a bit of ta- a bit of leeway, doesn't it? Because hey, we know they're finishing mid table in the Premier League. They can appoint someone then come in the summer. So yeah, I'd be. But I said so. I'd be amazed if it wasn't one of the main three we've been talking about. But, hey, Zidane Zidane might come into the equation. Others might ap- apply um, for the position. It's um, it's one of the most wanted jobs in Europe still because look at the look at that squad. If you're an ambitious manager, getting hold of that squad, it must be mouth-watering. So, yeah. Um, but I, I think we'll know within, within a month who it is. Maybe not the appointment has been confirmed, but I think we'll know within a month who it is. Interesting times. We could play a game of pick which manager goes where. Um, <laughs> I mean, I would imagine Real Madrid and PSG are going to come into this within the next few months as well. So it could be like a death. It could be like a pack of cards, essentially. Or, you know, um, you never know which way it's going to run. Um, any final word on Chelsea, Tom? I actually think the job's more appealing than than a lot of the rivals are giving us credit for. I, obviously, you've got a full squad full of objectively good players you've got an owner who is pledging to spend big money to get you the good players if he needs like a new striker he wants awesome and he's happy to throw money at that you've got players of these big big caliber players that any manager would want to work with you've obviously got the talent there already and i think i, I know it sounds silly saying it i think he does have patience because he's obviously let Potter get this far. I don't think it's it's not unreasonable for him to say, oh, you've taken our team to 11th, you're going to have to be sacked now. I think any manager, if they took their team from Champions League to 11th, would get sacked. So if it shows that you can have a few obstacles and still actually keep your job, which I know is what you need from an owner. So I, I think there will be people lining up to, to work for Chelsea. I, I want to bring the. I, I want to keep going on about Chelsea, but we should move on. We, let's talk Graham Potter. Um, Graham, oh, same name, <laughs> Graham Potter. Uh, what is he going to do next? Because Leicester City, on the same day, decided to part with Brendan Rodgers, nineteenth in the table. I still don't think they'll go down, but I think Leicester have kind of realised themselves now that oh god, this is uh, this is a bad situation. We need to make a change. Graham Potter was approached. How, how are we framing this? 
Yeah, um, Leicester always liked him. They liked him previously, and they did make contact with him and his people. But Graham Potter, as we reported yesterday, made it clear he wasn't quite ready to take up a job within not 24, 48 hours of leaving Chelsea. I still think he has an interest there. You know, I think if 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 it was an interim manager at Leicester, which I think they're considering. Um, someone short term. I think Potter then again in the summer. I wouldn't completely rule him out going to Leicester, but in the summer, I think he suits Leicester. I think that squad they've got, the way they play, I think he'd be a good fit there. But he's not ready to do it now. Um, and that leaves Leicester in this situation. Um, obviously, they sacked Brendan Rodgers, part of party company, I should say, before they even knew that Potter was going. So it wasn't related to that anyway. But yeah, I think we'll have to see a firefighter going there at Leicester. That squad, you know, that's that's one of the best squads that could ever be relegated. I'd probably say since my own Middlesbrough with Janino, etc. got relegated. I think it's probably that level. I think that when you look at that Leicester team, some of my favourite players, Dewsbury Hall, Barnes, Madison, how are they even in that position? It's just staggering. And But yeah, um, they, they don't know who they want yet, but I think they may go short term, Scott, from what we're hearing. Toby? I think it says a lot for um, how the manager movement system is working now. We always say that big players don't move in January. Typically, they wait until the summer before deciding their future. More and more and more, we're seeing interim managers until the end of the season rather than managers jumping ship and trying to save somebody. Because if you do go into Leicester now, what have they got left? 10 games? it's so tight at the bottom. This is part of the reason why West Ham, by the way, have kept hold of David Moyes because who is there to a point to go in and fix this kind of thing? Rafa Benitez is the name that has been linked with every single job with the teams that are around the bottom because he's kind of the current firefighter. But outside of that, Southampton... Toby, don't you find that a bit strange though? Because he actually... Was it the one relegation battle he's been in, Rafa? He went down. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But... Southampton have stuck with Sellers until the end of the season, interim manager. Spurs are running Stellini until the end of the season. It's the thing to do now, particularly when you get rid of a manager this late. So I can actually see Bruno staying at Chelsea until the end of the season because you're going to lose to Real Madrid over two legs anyway, surely. And then what's the point? They're in mid-table. They're not going to get top seven. Too many points are going to be picked up by teams around them. So he'll stay in that position. Don't blame Potter for not wanting to instantly go to Leicester. Imagine if they go down. Imagine if they go down. Imagine if Everton Do you imagine went down. That, that would be the worst season in, in, the, in the life of a manager? If Graham Potter leaves Brighton, goes to Chelsea, gets sacked by Chelsea in 11th, goes to Leicester and gets relegated. That's probably thinking though, Scott, isn't it? Because his stock, even though he's left Chelsea, his stock is still quite high. He get him outside the top four or top four to top six. He probably still get a job in the Premier League if he went to Leicester and took that team down because he doesn't. They look good from the outside, but there's obviously issues there, isn't there? Um, I think that's probably a big reason why he's not doing it. But this caretaker thing, obviously, United led the way, didn't they, with with King Ralph Scott, and and that worked out brilliantly in the end. Well. And if, if you watch Sunday's performance in Newcastle. Uh, anyway, uh, let, let's play this game then. Because I've just, while you guys have been talking, mm-hmm. I've, I've played the game myself and I've written it down. So I'll go first and allow, allow you guys to think. I'm going to, let's, and if you're listening to this and you want to get in touch, feel free to play this game. I've got Spurs, Chelsea, Leicester, West Ham, Real Madrid and PSG. Who will be their managers at the start of next season? <laughs> I see Graham's writing. Are you writing down, Graham? I yeah, I can't remember Spurs, all those teams. Spurs, yeah. Chelsea, Leicester, West Ham, Real Madrid, West Ham, Real Madrid and PSG. Oh, okay. Let's play the game. I'm going to go. 
I'll go first. You guys have to think. Is this a start of next season here, the manager? Start will be? of next season. Okay. So I'm going Tottenham, Brendan Rodgers, Chelsea, Luis Enrique, Leicester, Graham Potter, West Ham, Michael Carrick, Real Madrid, Pochettino, PSG, Julian Nagelsmann. Graham, you look prepared. I was writing that. Uh, Real Madrid, um, I think Ancelotti will stay. I think Nagelsmann will be at Chelsea. I think Enrique for Spurs. If, if it's not Ancelotti, I think Poch might go to Real Madrid, by the way. That's my other one. Um, PSG, Zidane. Ooh, forgot about that one. West Ham. I think if Middlesbrough don't go up, I think there's a fair chance they could get Michael Carrick. If we do go up, I don't think they'd get him. Um, West Ham's interesting. I think West Ham might go try and go quite big, you know, if they're still up. And I'll say West Ham... I'll come back to West Ham. Not sure. I think. Sure. I, I I would. I forgot about Zinedine Zidane. PSG. That looks pretty natural to me. Um, Toby. Okay. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Uh, Real Madrid, I'm going to say Ancelotti stays one more year as well. Chelsea, Luis Enrique, Spurs, Nagelsmann, PSG, Zidane. West Ham, Brendan Rogers, Leicester. No, I, like that. I like that. Yeah, Leicester. That's a good call. Yeah. I think Graham Potter actually still could end up at Leicester if they do go interim and stay up. I think that that works. Um, Graham Potter, West Graham Potter, Graham Potter, West Ham, Toby. Oh. I could, <laughs> well, good? yes, I could yeah. see that yeah. as well. He would get yeah. the best out of some of the players and it would align with West yeah. Ham strikers don't score goals either. So, yeah, that would work. <laughs> Is that it? Tom's turn? I think I might match Toby with a lot of that. I think, I think I'd think i have Pochettino at Real Madrid. I think he'll go there. Zidane, PSG. I think Chelsea will have Luis Enrique. I think Tottenham of Nagelsmann. I don't mind Brendan Rodgers at West Ham. I think that works. I, I can't see Rodgers getting a job towards the top of the table. And then Leicester, yeah, maybe Graham Potter. I don't mind that either. For some reason, I just look at Brendan Rodgers and Tottenham and I just think that that is an, ob- an obvious one, but it also kind of is. He does like him, as we've spoken about on the show. Mm. David Delevey likes him. His stock was so high. You know, let's not forget, guys, he was the de facto choice for City. Um, was it two years ago now when they thought Pep was going? He was their natural choice. His teams, when he gets his teams going, he can produce wonderful football. He really can. It's just, I, th- I think Leicester have let him down a little bit in terms of that defence, you know. Um, but it, he's, he's taken the responsibility, hasn't he, and, and gone. But I think West Ham, you've, wow, you'd be delighted with that, Toby, if you've got Brendan Rodgers. The only thing I've realised with my selections is that I've left Potch out in the cold again for another year. <laughs> well, he has a habit of getting overlooked for big jobs, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. <laughs> I think he, uh, that's the that's the danger, though, isn't it? He's wait if he waits until the Champions League final for Real Madrid to see if they win. That's the danger sometimes, isn't it? Yes, indeed. Uh, just a quick word on Brendan Rodgers. 
Graham alluded to it just there. Um, Toby, I'll come to you first. Cases stayed too long, really. Right? Yeah, I think so. Uh, this season, they've they've always been fragile from set pieces, haven't they? And they've always shipped a lot of goals. And the thing that Leicester always did was score a lot of goals. And they had Jamie Vardy scoring goals for fun for a decade. He scored once this season. I think he's 35 now. He's not in the team. And Leicester haven't found a way to replace his source of goals. I think they've tried Dakar and Ian Acho and rotated them throughout the season, but it just hasn't worked. And they've kind of relied on Madison actually to get them the points that they have got. But even then they've lost 17 out of 28. They still concede from set pieces. They're in real trouble, aren't they? Looking at it, I know everybody at the bottom is in trouble and it's so tight that one wing can jump you from 19th to 14th. But Leicester are the one team To that Palace team though as well, TC. They had the game won, didn't they? Because that Palace team are not very good. To concede two goals late onto that Palace team, um, I think that's the first time at the weekend. I said to him, we we'd be picking our bottom threes quite regularly, and we've always I've always left West Ham and Leicester out. I'd be tempted to put Leicester in now. I really would because that weekend performance, one nil up against Palace. Well, how long was to go? Twenty minutes to one nil up at Palace. Yeah, shocking. Like that's not a, the Palace are not a good team. But it says to me that there's, there's a mentality thing there. Once you start losing those kind of games, it's very mm. difficult to get out of that habit. And Leicester have only drawn four, I want to say, this season. So they either win, but more often than not, they've been sliding into defeats. And I think they've conceded a lot of late goals. So not surprised that Rodgers went, but I don't actually know who can go in there and kind of turn that around. I think Mike Stow's in charge, isn't he, G? Who's been at Leicester for a long time. The old Wolves goalkeeper, wasn't he, back in the day? I I think Leicester, it sounds silly, Go, go and get... Go and get an Allardyce or a Pulis just to keep you up for six weeks. Go and go and get them. That's Rafa, I don't think I think Rafa is the wrong choice. If it go, does go, who who wants to play for Rafa Benitez? Not a lot of people in England do. I go and get Tony Pulis, Big Sam, pay them whatever a few million in comments, whatever they want to keep you up. It's at that point now, Leicester. It doesn't matter what football you're playing, you have to stay in the Premier League. You have to. You can't end Sam Allardyce's tippy tappy football podcast, can we? <laughs> anyway, Tom, you, you've been you haven't been on the show for a little while. What's your bottom three? Oh, um, Southampton. I think I've accepted them quite quickly. I was one of the few people who were back in Southampton to start this season, and that's blown up in my face. Um, who have we got? I could see, I could see Everton going. They just don't seem to have enough about them. And I know they came back against Tottenham, but. I think Everton might drop and I think I'll go Bournemouth just because I, I just don't think Bournemouth have got a good enough squad. Yeah, fair play. I think that's the common shout. Anyway, Graham, you still insisting on Bournemouth staying up? I think Bournemouth are giving me great value for money. I've said for they're one of the best teams I've seen football-wise all season. I saw them at Leeds, yeah, when they lost 4-3 after being 3-1 up or something. But they play really, really good attacking football and they go for it. I think they've got much more life in them than, than some of the teams we've seen. And I was just thinking actually there, Southampton talking Ralph Hassenhuttle. I wonder if he comes into the Leicester equation. I think he might. <laughs> Don't do it, Leicester. Don't do it. You need to stay in the league. Don't. Anyway, let's move on. Let's go. Let's go on with the rest of the show. Uh, Graham, RB Leipzig centre back. 
Josco Gvardiol, interesting Real Madrid and Manchester City. We reported this over the weekend. Was picked up in quite a few places. Is this a case of he will move this summer? Is it a case of there's a price that needs to be met? What can you tell us? Yeah, there is a price. You know, Leipzig, they've said to Vardial, I think from my understanding, around 75 million is what we're being told. And and they, they do really want him. Yeah, Man City and Real Madrid do. The, the problem both have got is other area of the teams first. As we see it with lots of teams, Euro and United's got where, yeah, they do want a centre-half, but he's probably second or third on the list. So it's when they do. And obviously, both these teams want Jude Bellingham. Man City, as we reported, are having a bit of a midfield overhaul. So it just depends where it kicks off. I think the I think Vargil now he's he's accepted he's not going to go to Chelsea, although they are still interested. I think he's prepared to wait wait this. This isn't going to be an early one, but I think at some point in the summer we will see City and Real scrapping it out for Vardial. I could see him, I could see it going happening. What what does that mean in that case then for other Man City defenders, Imeric Laporte, for example? Yeah, um, he's on his way out. Um, he's one of these where City have accepted he can go. They told him a few weeks ago he can look for a club. And it's interesting, Barcelona had him mapped out to go there. One of the quite a few Man City players who might have been treading that path to the Camp Nou. But they've actually completed or agreed a deal, I should say, for the Bilbao centre-half, uh, Martinez, Inago Martinez. Very good player, 31. Quite similar to Laporte, really, but he's on a free which is a big thing, which Laporte isn't. So we've seen Laporte and his people have been going around Europe, letting people know he's available. And and Tottenham are the one, one of the ones who've had a sniff. To be fair, he's a very good Premier League centre-half, isn't he? Outside the top two or three, he would he would improve most teams, I think, or at least get his game. So, yeah, I think there'll be a lot of interest in Laporte. It wouldn't surprise me to see him cross the Premier League. We'll see. We will see indeed. Uh, let's, let's talk about another centre-half. Toby, I'll come to you for this one. William Saliba at Arsenal. We don't know the status of his injury at the moment. Uh, suggestions, it could be quite bad. But Arsenal hmm. plodding on without him. Uh, winning at the weekend against Leeds. Arsenal have <coughs> are, are looking to renew contracts with some key players. William Saliba is one of them. What can you tell us about the progress on his potential extension? Yeah, we did a story back in October that revealed that Arsenal wanted to tie down Bukayo Saka, William Saliba and Gabriel Martinelli to new long-term contracts. Um, Martinelli is done and dusted, as we know. Uh, we revealed a couple of weeks ago that Saka has an agreement in principle over terms. It's just kind of, as Graham likes to say, dotting the I's and crossing the T's on that one. And Arsenal still are not at that point with Saliba. Uh, they're still working on talks with him. They want to get an agreement reached before the players go away this summer on holiday when Arsenal hope to have won a first Premier League title in 19 years. But they haven't made the progress that they would have hoped to by this point. That's not to say that Arsenal are concerned at the moment. They obviously have on-field matters to worry about. They're trying to maintain their winning streak. But talks are kind of ongoing with Saliba and there's not the progress that Arsenal would want. Certainly not Saka levels of progress. And as you say, Scott, he's now injured, um, potentially ruled out until the, the end of the season. Mikel Arteta didn't really give too much away, did he? In his press conference, he kind of alluded to it's a back problem. They don't really know the full extent of it. Um, but he's one of their most important players, has played a 
really key role in shaping that Arsenal defence alongside Gabriel this season. Rob Holding went in at the back at the weekend and I think that kind of ever or highlights how crucial Saliba is for Arteta and he's a player that the club wants to build around for the long term so it would be a long-term contract that Arsenal want to agree with him. It's just a case of ironing out wages, bonus payments, etc. Um, there is interest in Saliba. PSG have liked him for a long time. Juventus have shown an interest. Not to say that they're muscling their way in at this point, but if Saliba keeps performing at the levels that he has been, I'd imagine a number of top clubs would kind of shortlist him as a potential signing for the future. At the risk of sounding quite reactionary, is there really a much better place to be than Arsenal at the moment? Juventus doesn't strike you as all their ducks in order. Uh, PSG, <laughs> you know what's going on there. Um, William Saliba might be in a good place, though. Arsenal is certainly one of the more stable clubs who are performing well. Um, appear to only be going one way under Arteta, and that's up. And they're going to bring in other players to strengthen this squad. But I still think Saliba would be one of the better players at the club. He's shown over the last seven or eight months that Arteta was right to place his faith in him. Do you remember last summer we were discussing whether or not Saliba would be going back to Marseille on a permanent deal? And now look at it eight months later, he's a staple in the France squad. He's not starting yet for Didier Deschamps. They've obviously got an abundance of options, but he went to the World Cup. Arguably, you'd if you were to put Arsenal names on a team sheet, Saliba would be three or four, you'd say? Well, do you remember um, that conversation we were having? Harry was our Arsenal fan colleague. And and they, the Arsenal fans, was he was saying, oh, let's play him in the cup and stuff, wasn't he? If you remember, I was having a thing with him where Arsenal, even Arsenal fans didn't realise how good he is. And he's really come on leaps and bounds. And for me, I don't think Saliba gets the credit he deserves. I think he's lit, light years ahead of Gabriel. And he gets so much credit. But I think Saliba's the one. I think he's a rocket that in that defence. I think Gabriel maybe has a ceiling to put in a higher level of performance but he also has dips and low points whereas I think Saliba's consistency has been far greater this season and look they might be without him for the next few weeks and Arsenal have got some tough games coming up we will see how that defence holds tight without him there because Rob Holding certainly isn't William Saliba level of quality Arsenal play at Anfield on Sunday Uh, Liverpool go to Chelsea on Tuesday night, you probably, if you're listening to this, you might have seen the game by now, unless you're a very, very dedicated listener who listens every time we drop. Uh, we'll come back to Chelsea in a minute with Tom, uh, but I'll just run through this quick Man United note. Luke Shaw signed a new contract on Tuesday for your deal. Uh, he is expected to be the first of a few players to commit longer term. Uh, he was the one, again, who came out after Man United lost a game in embarrassing fashion to front up and talk about it. Always seems to happen. Those defeats seem to happen quite frequently. And it always seems to be Luke Shaw, who's the one speaking to the camera. Graham, you mentioned about, uh, in recent conversation between us, Luke Shaw's leadership was actually referenced in United's statements. I think it might have been John Murta, possibly, who said it. Um one deal off, uh, well, on the table that has been signed. What do United think of Luke Shaw? Is he he's really high in their estimation at the moment? Yeah, from from what I'm told, he's 
he's really impressed Outton Hag and Scouts, but he's surprised them to some extent. He came in, remember the first few few games of the season, he was competing quite heavily with Malachia, wasn't he? And but he he has been absolutely fantastic, and he's a real candidate to be the next captain, from what I'm hearing as well, Scott. I think it'd be an ideal fit. But he's played so well that we know Marcus Rashford and what Everton Hag's done for him and Steve McLaren. But I think it shows up there for the for the way he's matured in his whole game under Everton Hag. You know, who'd have thought this time last year that you could be play Luke Luke Shaw in a centre half role and not be worried, Scott? You know, it's an amazing progress he's made. The confidence that he's got from him. I know, I know you all love Martinez etc. But Luke Shaw has been up there with him and Rashford this season has been absolutely phenomenal. The work Everton Hag has done on those two. Sensational. Yes, indeed. A uh, couple of notes on some other players, Graham. David De Gea, Marcus Rashford, Diogo uh, Dallo and Fred are the other two players, right? Yeah, for the contracts-wise, obviously, um, we've got to see what happens with Mason Greenwood as well. There's a lot going on at United this summer with the takeover. It's going to be a very, very busy time at Old Trafford. has got all these um, new signings as well that you hope. Um, Harry Kane and De Jong maybe in a taxi on his way at Old Trafford soon. It's going to be a fascinating summer. But yeah, Rashford is one who we've discussed the new owners complicate things. If there is new owners, going to be new owners, then surely they want to announce Marcus Rashford. But United aren't worried about Rashford. He's got another year left. But talks are going ongoing. They're not too worried from behind the scenes. They think they'll get it done. And I don't think Marcus Rashford wants to leave Manchester United. And with Eric Ten Hag, I just don't see any way that he leaves the club. Yes, indeed. Let's let's move back to Chelsea. I told you this this show would be about Chelsea. Um, Tom, I'm going to come to you on Kai Havertz. Um, what can obviously Tom Chelsea have? I counted. Chelsea have 40 players on their books including players who are loaned out, not including youth prospects. Um, now, Kai Havertz has played quite frequently, um, but Chelsea fans quite frustrated with him at times. Obviously, he's a, you, you know what kind of play, you know how he looks, right? If players look a little bit, it's languid the word. I don't know. Maybe like a li- have a little bit of that about him. And don't obviously score as many goals playing in a centre forward role as, as you'd expect. It can mean that some frustration builds. Uh, Bayern Munich is this a? We've seen them link with Mason Mount. Bayern Munich. Could it actually be Kai Havertz, who's the subject of more interest than Mason Mount? Absolutely, yeah. So obviously, with Mason Mount's contracts running down and the the standoff that has been there. Bayern would be would be stupid to not be looking at him, and and we have heard that they have asked Thomas Tuchel what's what's Mason Mount like, just to get a, as they start building up their targets for the summer now that they've got their new boss. But if they get one Chelsea player this summer, we're hearing that they'd prefer it to be Kai Havertz, and I mean he's been destined for Bayern ever since he came through in Leverkusen. We're hearing that they they see him as a the the heir to Thomas Muller's throne there, and I mean positionally you can see that straight away. So, and from a Chelsea perspective, I don't think we'd be too sad to see him go. It's a real shame because he was it was so exciting when we first got him, but it just hasn't it just hasn't worked out. He does, whether he fits in the team right, whether it's been built around him poorly, yeah, probably. There's a lot of a lot of potential reasons, but we're now coming to a point where Chelsea needs a central striker who is trained as a striker who has spent his whole career as a striker and can score goals. 
and have like, just doesn't like do Aubameyang that. or like Lukaku. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly <laughs> like Lukaku. <and> <laughs> But yeah, something just needs to change, and I think Havertz is his position is under threat, and, and Bayern are quite keen to take advantage of that if they can. Yeah, uh, I think there's there's a lot of moving parts this summer on the managerial front, on the player front as well. We haven't even talked about midfield, uh, Chelsea, Declan Rice, all of this kind of thing. Jude Bellingham, he, he's on pretty much every show that we do at the moment, but we're not talking about him today. Um, plenty going on, uh, especially if the United takeover goes through as well. And there's uh, millions and millions and millions more going into the market. Uh, should be quite interesting. On the subject of Chelsea potential strikers, though, uh, there is a young Brazilian. Uh, Chelsea did sign Datro Fafana in January. Obviously, We've mentioned Victor Osserman uh, is, is on their list as well. Graham, Chelsea, though, are one of a few clubs who are looking at a young Brazilian striker who I'm going to pass to you on now, if you can tell us. Yeah, Victor Roque, um, one of the best young strikers in South America. One of the first teams actually linked in was West Ham, wasn't it, TC? We did a, a piece on him. West Ham were first in there. I tell you what, though, right? You cannot argue with West Ham's talent radar. We, we spoke on last week's show, Darwin Nunes... Calvin Phillips. Who else was there? Rafinha at the time. They've always had a strong South American presence, haven't you, TC? Yeah, they're, they're good at identifying players at source. I think West Ham's difficulty <laughs> is then actually concluding <laughs> any of these deals. Yeah, <laughs> Convincing them that West Ham is the right place to grow and form a footballing education. Um, that's obviously not the case, but sorry, Graham. Go back to Chelsea. Yeah, no, Vita Rocker. Yeah, and, and he made his debut for Brazil. He's he's 18. He's ready to move to Europe now. Barcelona have always been in poor position for this guy. This is the one that they turned to instead of trying to get involved in Endrick at the time. They thought this guy was... Obviously, he's a bit further on. He's three years older. But the problem is Barcelona's off-field issues financially. And they haven't got the money to pay him one go. They're looking at proposing a deal that'll see him come on loan with an obligation. Very similar to how Mbappe moved from Monaco to PSG at the time. But actually, we did a story yesterday... Um, Scott, sorry, on Monday, the Chelsea and Arsenal, they're, they're the two clubs who are really pushing this. They're, they're staying in contact already with Arsenal that they really want him. There's been an um, update overnight, actually, on, on this guy, Scott. Not an update, but his, his father, Juvenal Ferreira, is in Europe now, talking to clubs. He's in Barcelona, talking to him. But apparently, he has also been in contact with English clubs. So we will be doing an update on this ourselves. But yeah, his father and some representatives are in Europe now. I think they're gauging where they're at. I think they're making sure if Barcelona, if you really want my son, then he's going to go. You know, he really, he, we've spoken before about Barcelona, but Chelsea and Arsenal are, are on standby here. They're the main two who are looking at him thinking we can get this. But there's lots of English clubs as well, Scott. You know, apart from West Ham, Manchester United have looked at him, Tottenham. This is an 18 year old Brazilian international. And if you get a chance to get him, he's at Atletico Paranese. He's not mega, mega money. So, yeah, if, if Barcelona don't get this done, the Premier League clubs are ready to pounce. Is he better he's than Valverde? He's, a, he's a huge talent. Um, I don't, yeah, I think so. I, I think I think TC is better than Valverde. So, yeah, I think <laughs> so, yeah. Has Valverde uh, scored a Premier League goal yet, Flund? Yes, no. no. That Don't chance on yes. Sunday, Scott, where he went for the near post, it's like, yeah. come on, just just get it on target, mate. Uh, on the subject of strikers, we'll finish the show with Randall <laughs> Kolo Muani, 
who is another player who's been tipped to move for big money in the summer. That might not be the case, though, Graham. No, but this number nine, I think that all these players, all these agents who've got number nines, they're making, they know they need to get out this summer. You know, you've got Manchester United, uh, Chelsea, the big two who are prepared to spend mega money on a number nine by Munich. It, this could be the summer of the number nines. And Moani, he's only been, Randall Moani, he's only been um, at Eintracht Frankfurt for, since the summer, since he moved from Nantes. And he's been great. He's been fantastic. But Frankfurt are not in the mood to sell. Uh, they're about to lose um, Kameda and, and Dika, isn't it? On two two Bosmans, the two best players. So no, um, apparently Source in Germany telling us even 100 million euros might not get him out. So you know there is other targets out there for the clubs. He, he is he is being watched by United. Have looked at him. Uh, Chelsea have looked at him. They all they've all looked at him. But Frankfurt are not really willing to do business. And and with some of these deals, as we'll see with United, Scott, a lot of these clubs don't want to be dragged into sagas. Um, United had it last season, last summer with De Jong. You know, if if a player is not for sale, I think you'll see clubs moving on quite quickly. Plenty of players who will be moving. Uh, maybe Colin Moani will not be one of them. But like we say, big summer transfer window coming up on the managerial front and on the player front in a bunch of positions as well. So there's going to be plenty of money spent, we're sure. Uh, we'll be back to talk all about transfers that are coming up, uh, that are potentially on the radar. We'll talk next week. Uh, but thanks for listening to us today. We do have to scoot off now because the website beckons. Uh, 90min.com forward slash talking dash transfers for all of the latest transfer news from us and our team. Uh, 90min underscore football on all the socials and also our private, personal, personal, not private, socials. Uh, Scott Saunders underscore Scott Saunders. I'm getting my own one wrong. Toby underscore Cudworth. Graham at Graham Bailey at Tom Got Two on all the Twitterverse. Uh, so you can get us over there for all the latest news as we distribute to you. We'll be back next Tuesday with another Talking Transfers. Until then, thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you soon. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.